Welcome back to DCEKG, a part of the Big Wig Podcast Network and distributed by our partner, Evergreen. I'm Joe Grogan, here with my co-host, Eric Uland, and our guest, John Swartaki. We're continuing our discussion with CZ. We want to dive into a little bit of his uh, advocacy now on behalf of patients like himself. Tell us why you felt the need to form this organization and get uh, take a leadership role in this policy fight as opposed to helping others communicate their ideas. Well, that's, I'm glad you asked that. So by the summer of 2021, right, the, 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 the folks on the Hill had finally got around to passing what was the IRA bill. And had, the Inflation uh, Reduction Act. And several provisions in there that will help. help. And in reading them, because, again, nerd, um, I realized, and talking to smart people like yourselves, you realize that there are serious implications, major departure from policy to for, to this point by this bill. And I'm like, as someone who is, this is not an academic thing. I lived what this is like through um, the benefits of innovation and drugs. And this really delicate ecosystem of drug development, unique to this country, you have this very odd place, things that happen here that don't happen anywhere else. You have people with brilliant ideas, people with money, decide to match them up and make the, let people explore those ideas that wind up curing people if they, and helping people, helping people. So that the end product of that has benefited, benefited me four different times. It wasn't just one drug, but if I didn't have four in the pipeline to help me, I would not have been able to uh, be, able, be live a life, a normal life. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. And I figured with a, look, I've always, like me this whole last two segments, my personal life, my health issue journey was always never really part of that with my, my public life in politics and in operations of that. I now can swap that, right? Up, subdue uh, any politics, any partisanship, and put to the front to the front, my knowledge of public policy and with my experience with being a patient and so and what it means for healthcare and and drugs in particular. Sorry. So advocates of the Inflation Reduction Act and its provisions around drugs claim that the new negotiation powers, which will come into effect three years from now, somehow will both lead to reduction in drug prices and expand the availability of drugs first to America's senior citizens and ultimately to the entire country. What is it about the IRA upon your examination leads you to a conclusion that that's not the case and that patients need to be at the forefront of this conversation of insisting that those provisions don't ever actually take effect? That's a great question. And again, it's very simple in my mind. You have a basically a 40 years of Consensus in this in this in this town that says let's support innovation. Let's, in fact, we explicitly say government stay out of it because we know that the last thing this ecosystem needs is our mailing fingers. So, so many rules, their efforts that were in the Oregon Drug Act in Wax Hatchman cultivated a whole industry of of cures of, of miracles. I think and moved us as a country in the mid-80s from being behind Germany and France uh, to being in the lead. Now, now we lead the world in producing cures and, and accessing cures. The people, people here who 
uh, are sick with, let's say, breast cancer can get to those drugs faster than anyone else in the world. So my point is, this, this is the milieu of how this town treated drugs. And then with one bill, with partisan vote, with party line vote, uh, in during the under the cover cover of COVID, well, you know, there's very little input, very little sunlight. We pass this bill, and we think we're going to revolutionize revolutionize how uh, medicine is treated in this country, and that can't be a good thing. It, yeah, I know it can't. So, so let's back up for a second about that. I just want to drill down. So you mentioned Hatch Waxman, yeah, Orrin Hatch from Utah, Senator. Henry Waxman, widely considered. Republican, Democrat. Right. Liberal, and, and Waxman was a very, you know, at the time, considered very liberal, mm -hmm. um, if not an enemy of the innovator industry at, at one point, asked a lot of hard questions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hired very good staffers, smart staffers, but was not a powder puff when it came to commercial enterprise. These two guys get together and they come up with a compromise around rewarding innovation, but eventually these innovative, expensive drugs are going to go generic, and they're going to be cheaper uh, copies. Anybody can make them as long as they get the manufacturing right and get an inspection from FDA, and, and it's equal to the innovator, innovator product. Now, and 90% of drugs uh, in Medicare are yes. generic drugs, mm -hmm. uh, which are almost commodity-level prices, uh, to, to be frank. The inflation reduction gets passed in August. Nancy Pelosi's the speaker. Chuck Schumer is the majority leader in the Senate. 100% uh, Democrat support, 100% Republican opposition. Flat out, no compromise. To your point, no sunlight. And uh, my own perspective, I don't know what yours is, is that industry was really caught flat-footed here. It hit like a thunderclap that this passed. And the initial reaction is, Okay, we we lost. We lost big. It could have been worse. Uh, the Democrats had a, had a more onerous bill called HR three, which they had introduced in the Trump administration. But at least we've dodged. Uh, um, we don't have to fight this fight again for a number of years. But the fight is continuing with the Biden administration. As a matter of fact, they recently released their budget proposal where they've suggested. Uh, negotiating, and I'd just say it's not a negotiation, it's price setting. Uh, There's the very little latitude for the government to, to negotiate and figure out what a quote-unquote fair price is. There's a, there's a pretty low ceiling on these prices. But they're, they're suggesting more drugs be included. They're suggesting shorter periods before the price, the price fixing sets in. And meanwhile, they're also trying to make war on the accelerated approval process at FDA, and restricting uh, access to Alzheimer's drugs. And you're sitting there uh, as somebody who benefited from these drugs. You say you, you didn't, just, it allowed you to have a life, but it also allowed you to give a life. You started you started a family and you have four kids. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, it, what, what bothers me is, again, drawing upon my experience on the front lines of, of this town, watching these people uh, think a lot high, very highly of their ability to do things that don't really work out. I very rarely work out. And with the hard work of things like Wax Hatchman, you have extremely liberal and extremely conservative sides come together and do the really hard work of finding how to finding out how to what can what can we find in terms of middle ground. Right? That really took a lot of effort and it paid off. Results are that work led to forty years of amazing innovation. And there are people alive today 
that dumped that in millions, tens of millions because of that. And so you think that if a, a quick, quickly passed bill that is only done by one side is going to be anything close to what they provide? Not, not in your life. The Dell most fair-minded analysts of the bill and the price fixing, the negotiating provisions, come to the conclusion that at the end of the day, this structure, if allowed to go in effect, will actually reduce the ability of pharmaceutical companies to produce those innovative drugs that start down the road of ultimately become accessible to everybody who needs them. I, yes, and to your point, Joe, earlier, that the industry, this is not about them, because they're, they're trying to figure out who gets paid, who can play the DC shell game of who get who's octane scored and who wins who's I'm not I don't care about that. I care about pay, downstream patients who are not are too busy recovering from their illness or sitting there waiting for uh, a result from a doctor for their kid, whether or not they have uh, bad leukemia. And these people don't have time to read this bill, know what's going on, but they need to trust this town that their interest is in this town is going to produce the best outcomes. And they have done the exact opposite of what will produce best outcome. The best outcome will be do the hard work of what Waxman, the hard work that was done to produce it and the bills that followed for years uh, was tough, but not quite as tough as the science that produced the breakthroughs, but at least it tried to step up, right? This, uh, right now, the hard work of these innovations that are coming to fore, like the as Alzheimer's drugs, like the stuff that's going to come out from CRISPR on, on sickle cell and, and cancers, all that hard work, incredibly hard work, in fact, earth-shattering new novel, and the hard work that DC's putting in is, let's not pay for it. So tell us a little bit about the organization that you've created. You've had a partisan framework, a partisan bill that passes on a fast-track process with the distraction of COVID. Now talk a little bit about the organization and as well how novel it is, how different it is to serve as the principal <laughs> out behind the mic in front of the camera rather than, as Joe said earlier, the, some, the individual who's advising people about what to say and how to behave. It's, it's both easy and hard. It's easy because it's really nothing to do with me. I'm, but I do know that I could identify the fact that patients across the board, whether you have sickle cell anemia, or have uh, uh, CF, uh, they all need to be advocated for. But this town, bulk around is all. This, everyone cuts their own deal. So you have the Ambassador Society, you've got the, uh, the, the autism guys, you have all these people, they all treat, they act like the special interests they track. So no one's speaking for all, all the patients, saying, here's, and stand up and say, look, we just want healthier people, we want people to benefit across the board. And are we, are we fighting for that or cutting, cutting side deal? So I just hope to stand up a, a federation, if you will, that speaks for all patients, that they get quality care, they get their, their needs are heard at the, at the early part of this. Because we're all, this is all about them, making people, Americans healthier, and the fact that they're, they're, just, uh, they're too often, they're an afterthought. So as you go about talking to people in DC, but also around the country about Let's not be partisan about this. Let's all work together to push Congress and the regulatory agencies to produce for patients. What's the take of what's the receptivity? Has there been a lot of support it's, here after your it, launch it's last been November? Incredible. It's been, again, mostly, uh, why has not anyone done this before? Like, people have their little, again, it's just, 
groups that scratch various issues. It's just but no one's speaking up for the overall betterment of patients downstream. So, uh, you know, again, do we want to have the uh, system here in DC, which will create a best way to distribute public money to manage sick care, or do we want health care, healthier people? That's what is at stake. So it's not about shuffling deck chairs, but the people who are going to sit in those chairs. And as you go about preaching this message and getting this great receptivity, yeah. what, as a practical matter, are you going to be seeking from the executive branch, from the regulatory agencies, from Congress, to make sure that this vision actually is fulfilled? Well, uh, I want to go as far as to say uh, common sense, because I know this is here in D.C., <laughs> but I want to basically say, look, earn the seat at the table. So if you're going to discuss issues that are going to affect patients downstream, I want to make sure that you're listening to patients, not just some pointy-head guy from pharma or from some other, from a payer, from an insurer. So just think about who at the, at the end of the day is going to benefit from this. So someone needs to represent those people. So I just want to, and, and by and large, I don't think very many people in this town who do this policy, and they're all very smart, but they actually can talk to, you know, a guinea pig like me who's lived through the end result of what, they, what, they're, what they've done or what they could do. So as someone who has, again, lived the benefit of having multiple drugs to attack his disease, uh, it's important to see what the benefit can be for the world. And look, I have stories about cost of drugs that are bad. There are, there are bad actors that are really being to be read out, root out. But I think that I don't care if a drug costs one trillion dollars, right? If it's gonna, then the the hard work is done by the innovators. Say, our job in D.C. should be challenge accepted. We'll figure this out. We've got to figure out how to pay for it. We'll, we'll make sure the people who took a chance are rewarded and and get. To, access to patients, and we'll figure out that part. That's our hard work. Now, no one wants to do that hard work. So you talk about challenge accepted. It is a big challenge to go from an advisor to a principal, to be the person whispering in the ear to the person, as mentioned earlier, talking in the mic. Tell me a little bit about how that transition feels to you as you get on radio, you get on TV, you drive social media with you as the prime spokesman and the principal messenger. Again, uh, it's it's easy because in in that role is in, in in the old job policymakers mm -hmm. they are the they are entities on themselves. I'm interested in, in being a, a if you will a proxy for all the millions of people who can't speak up, who don't know how to read uh, legislation, what don't know that NPRM is or is not in fact. And so I have this basic knowledge. If I can carry. You know, have bring them along with me and be their voice in this these dark places. I will do that, and so it's easy because it's not about me at all. It's about I'm I'm trying to be a voice for the experiences I've had that I know have been had by millions. The dirty trick is here, Eric, uh, that every single I say we're gonna advocate on behalf of patients. Mm -hmm. Everyone's big. Everyone is patient. They have been in the past, or they will be in the future. So, well, and they may, they may be self-hating or in denial about it, but it, well, I feel pretty passionate about being, it's not about wearing a red jersey or a blue jersey, about being one group or one treatment or one outcome, uh, a disease. It's about 
how will we all be a healthier country and a community and and getting us to that point because we're all going to be there and so and uh i think we can be all wrong one team it's all the same team we are fighting illness we all know we're at the end of the story where this goes but we want to be do what we can while we're here cz that's i think a great place to uh stop uh this has been a fascinating conversation i want to thank you for joining eric and i here at the uh, dc ekg part of the Big Wig Podcast Network, distributed by Evergreen. Before we break, I want to uh, give everybody at home the website, which is survivorsforsolutions.org, and the Twitter handle is at Hope Matters Most. Again, this is Joe Grogan and Eric Ulin for DCEKG. Thanks, CZ, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.